110 days in Ann Arbor, Michigan on the football field. We don't want to coach average. We do want to win because winning is the epitome of team effort. Every coach who ever put a whistle around their neck strives to be the head coach at The Ohio State University. Welcome back, everybody, to Buckeye Bar Guys here on Buckeye Bar Talk. I'm Mike. And I'm John. Tonight, state is uh, Sunday, July 17th, and uh, we are inching closer and closer to the start of the season that's coming up on September 3rd against Notre Dame. Uh, we'll be starting our countdown. I'll be starting the countdown uh, at a point this week, uh, probably early week. I just got to get my, uh, my days figured out <laughs> how many actual days we are. So I can start picking jerseys. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so we got that season's uh, rolling, rolling really fast. Uh, uh, tonight we got a, you know, a little bit of a fun episode. We were just on uh we got off vacation, which we were talking about on the last time we talked to you guys that we were getting ready to go on a big fishing trip. So we're actually going to talk a little bit about it. Uh, a little, some, uh, unsolicited, uh, pub for the lodge we stayed at because, uh, it was amazing. So, uh, you know, anybody that definitely, uh, isn't efficient and I'm sure we have quite a few people that like the outdoor lifestyle of, you know, fishing, hunting, you know, whatever, but, uh, you know, this for, Fishing specific, uh, this was uh, a pretty awesome trip. So we'll get into that in a, here in a minute. And then we will, after that, we are going to, so we'll start the show with that. Um, we were actually, uh, while we're in Canada, we, we did share the stuff on uh, the social media sites, but, uh, you know, you, the USC UCLA, uh, uh, craziness dropped. So we will be discussing that. Um, and then we'll finish up on the show on, uh, we had a lot of commitments over the, since the last time we talked, uh, till, uh, now I believe we have, we counted just a little bit ago. It seems like we had about six commitments. Uh, a lot of them we shared over social media, but, uh, we'll, uh, you know, talk a little bit about just our thoughts on those. Uh, mm-hmm. looks like some, uh, big time gets, uh, they got on, uh, the definitely areas of need, some of them. And, uh, so looking forward to talking about that. So, uh, so let's, uh, start in we're, we're going to talk about our vacation because it was a, a great time. Uh, we stayed up at, uh, so we went to reindeer Lake Saskatchewan, which is in, uh, you know, Northern Saskatchewan. It's, uh, mostly in Saskatchewan with a little bit of part of it in Manitoba. It's, I mean, it's a huge lake. It's, I believe it's the 10th or the 11th largest lake in North America. I mean, only the five U S Canadian great lakes, um, the two farther North Canadian great lakes, which is great bear, Lake great and great slave, which is up in, uh, the Northwest territories. So that's seven lakes, uh, another lake that's in Northern Saskatchewan, Lake Winnipeg. And there might be one other, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. Um, but those are the only lakes that are actually bigger than it in North America. So, I mean, this is a huge lake, um, a lot of fish in it. Uh, you know, you got, Northern pike, uh, lake trout are the two, uh, main trophy species. Um, we did catch a few walleye. Um, I mean, we know there's trophy walleye in there. We just never, uh, we weren't really targeting them. And then there's Arctic grayling, which I've never personally fished for, but I've heard they're a lot of fun. fun. If you get, you know, light, like tackle and, you know, some fly fishing there, you know, a lot of rivers come into this lake. So, I mean, that they are, uh, um, so they're really fun. So those are the four main species that are on the lake. Um, uh, basically only three freaking uh, towns or villages that are on this lake and six fishing lodges. So 10th biggest lake in North America, not that many people actually live on said lake, uh, you know, fishing season that far North. I mean, they start summer you know, months. That's it. Yeah. Summer months, you know, you get a little bit early fall and that's pretty much it. I mean, uh, the Southern portion of the lake, though, there's a couple lodges down there. They start like pretty much right at like Memorial day weekend. And then we are actually the furthest North Lake, the furthest, no- the lodge we stayed at, at, which is called reindeer Lake lodge. It's the furthest North of the lodges on the lake. And there's still, I mean, that's only like two thirds of the way up. There's still like a third of water, you know, still further than that further North, but for that lodge, for our lodge, you know, they start mid June and even this year, because it was a late ice off, uh, you know, for, you know, that they actually had 
pushed had to push it back. I think a little bit. They didn't get as many people they wanted to start off because there's just not. They ain't allowed to. You can't get move around as much up there with as much ice on the open right. water. Um, but so we got we were over there Fourth of July weekend. Um, lot of fun. I mean, tons of fun. So, uh, I mean, we caught a lot of big fish. I mean, we caught a lot of fish. I mean, we we estimated that we easily caught over 200 fish over four days. Uh, you know, I mean the last two days specifically, I mean, we were between, it was us two. And then our dad, I mean, between us two and our dad, I mean, we each, or we combined probably around 80 for the last two days specifically. So, I mean, that puts us at about 160 and, you know, the first two days were a little slower. The first day it took us a little bit to get used to, you know, what they were biting and what they weren't biting. But by day two, we, we were really starting to hit them. And then day three and four was crazy. So like a lot of great fish. I shared some of the pictures of some of our bigger ones on there. Um, but I mean, we had 12 fish between the three of us over 40 inches. Uh, you know, John actually got the most uh, of the big, those are considered trophies. So he got the most trophies. And then uh, I got a, the longest of them all, I got a 47 inch Northern Pike, which was an awesome fight. Enjoyed it. And our dad got the fish of the trip. I mean, <laughs> a monster Lake trout that was probably in the low forties of pounds. I mean, we have to guesstimate it by, you know, we, we didn't have a scale with us, but you know, based off of the girth and the, the length, you know, which was 45 inches, it was a fat fish that, you know, that you, we figure it's probably in the, the low forties, uh, you know, in comparison to some of the other ones we saw up there. So, uh, great trip overall, just, uh, your initial thoughts, John on it. I mean, it was a lot of fun getting to spend time with you and dad and, uh, we all are huge fishermen. We love it. Uh, you know, no, not professionals or anything. No, but, no. <laughs> you know, I, I wish we could go a lot more than we do. Uh, but you know, life and work get in the way of that. But, uh, definitely an enjoyable trip no i mean i i studied a lot for this trip for sure you know i watched a lot of youtube read a lot of just material on different fishing techniques and northern pike techniques so definitely leading up to the trip i became a better fisherman just from trying to learn more and of course you gotta put everything into practice so that's not you know i i got the fish when i was out there so i, I was happy with that um spent a ton of money on tackle <laughs> i'll I'll, you know, be able to say that. And I really didn't need to. Um, we, we all bought a bunch of like big, you know, soft plastic swim baits and just where we were fishing for the pike. It didn't make any sense. I mean, we were fishing in just shallow water with logs and trees everywhere. And as soon as you would cast one of those things, treble would get stuck into the log. So lesson learned for next time. Um, yeah, we learned real quick on day three that the spinner fight was happening so the meps number five spinner still knocks them out of the ballpark for the northern pike for people that haven't really done a lot of pike fishing when that water temperature hits right just pull out a number five and you know the pike can't resist it they just go absolutely crazy for that and anybody who has fished for uh you know for northern pike you know and you know spoons and pretty much for us it was spoons and spinners and Mm -hmm. so (laughs) that was uh, really yeah it was a fun trip uh so yeah, a lot of great big fish we caught. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, we had 12 over 40, but I mean, we caught more in the 30 to 39 range than we caught below 30. And I would say we probably caught more in the 34 to 39 range than we even caught in the low 30s. I mm. mean, there were big fish everywhere. And that's what you get when you got a you got a short fishing season. You don't got a lot of people that live on the lake. You don't got a lot of actual fishermen that visit the lake. You know, you have to fly up there. I mean, some of the Southern portions you can actually drive up to, but you know, once you have to get to the up where we're at, you know, they had a private airstrip. So, I mean, we, that was a fly in for us and uh, you know, there's not a lot. And then, you know, when you take into, you know, the pandemic and stuff, they haven't, they basically are lodged specifically was pretty much closed for two years and you know some of the other lodges were basically the same thing they got i think a couple of the lodges were able to get some fishermen in at like right at the end of last year when they reopened the borders and stuff um heading into canada but i mean it's basically has not been fished you know in two years this lake and so it was just like it was bonkers uh 
just how they were biting. Um, so yeah, a lot of fun with the fishing. Uh, now onto the lodge. Like we said, it was Reindeer uh, Lake Lodge, uh, and uh, up there, uh, I think it's ReindeerLakeLodge.ca is the website. Uh, we'll put it. I'll put it in the the notes. You know, here mm-hmm. that you know anybody on whether you're on YouTube or on um, you know listening on the audio versions, you should be able to find it in our notes. Um, but I mean, just great hospitality. I mean, the, the owners, uh, Dave and Wanda were just absolutely fabulous. Uh, just, you know, you're treated like pretty much gods up there. Uh, they, they treated you perfectly. Uh, you know, we had, uh, two, uh, since there was, we had two boats, uh, so two in one boat, one in the other boat. Um, we got a guide for each boat. So guides come with the, the fishing. Uh, so, Shout out to uh, Robert and uh, Frankie uh, Roberts, the head guide of the the lodge. And uh, Frankie is uh, was his brother-in-law, one of the other guides. I mean, just fabulous guy. I mean, they knew exactly where to go, and you know, and they they got you us. They got us on fish. And if uh, the fish bite wasn't happening in the certain bays and different things, uh, you know, that we were hitting on, they moved us very fast into other bays and uh, very knowledgeable. They, you know, were very up on us, uh, you know, when looking at it, all of our crazy tackle, it's like, nope, try that one right there, that map spinner or that, try that spoon. <laughs> and right. that's like, you know, 99% of the time they were right. So uh, it definitely helps uh, having uh, just experienced guides that really know the lake. And uh, they were definitely that. Um, great food. I mean, we had a shore lunch every day, caught a couple, kept a couple of the smaller fish uh, for, you know, shore lunch. So, I mean, the guides cooked that for you. That was all, uh, you know, and it, we had walleye, we had pike and we had lake trout. Uh, <clears throat> I know some people get scared away with pike because they have all those bones. You know, people that know how to prepare it properly, pike is delicious and the lake trout was delicious. I mean, I've had walleye a bunch of times and I couldn't say that I liked any one better than the other one. So, I mean, it was all delicious and, you know, they, <laughs> cook up all the fixings with that. You get fries and you get, uh, beans and, you know, usually a, a canned vegetable in there and it was all really good stuff. And then at the lodge itself, you got breakfast and dinner and, uh, you know, Joanne, she was the, the cook there. I mean, just, I mean, I didn't eat a bad meal all weekend. Regardless no. of what they got. So not only did I get a great fishing, uh, your fishing's basically from eight to five with shore lunch in the middle. And yes, you are dead tired by five o'clock time rolls around. So you have no problem going in and, uh, you know, enjoying happy hour and then dinner. And, uh, so, I mean, just everything was wonderful. So, uh, just your last thoughts, uh, before we move on. Oh, I definitely re- recommend it to anybody that, you know, serious fishermen, freshwater fishermen like to fish pike. I mean, it's, I've never really gone musky fishing. So obviously, you know, the temperament of a pike and musky are much different. You're talking about pike that, you know, they could bite every cast than a musky where you might be lucky to catch more than one in a day. Um, so, I mean, completely different, but when you're talking about like real big, real fat pike, this is where they're at. Cause I, I know pike, pike are long, they're an ESOC species, but they're not necessarily always, you know, really thick here in America. Well, little bit different up there it's you know not pressured water tons of bait for them so yeah i mean these were and i i got some of this on you know gopro i didn't for whatever reason i don't know why i didn't film the first day um i don't know why i didn't turn it on i think maybe i was having trouble with my rod or something the first day and i was kind of like screw this it's too hard to try to film this whole thing but starting on day two, I did get some GoPro film, um, you know, some pictures of the fish, of course, that we'll put up there. Uh, videos of my dad pulling up the lake trout, Mike getting the 47 inch pike. So there's different things on there that I am going to try to work on to put something on the page. Not sure when I'll have time to, you know, go through all that footage and edit it all down. But you guys can see and hopefully I got some good footage that you can see just how, you know, long and fat these fish were. Yeah. So, yep. One uh, just last time, I uh, highly recommend it. If you really want to go up, if you're into that type of fishing, you if you love fishing and you're into the freshwater species, um, you know, these, I'm, these are monsters in northern Saskatchewan and uh, definitely highly recommended. You know, 
really the only bad experience that we had with the whole trip is that right now travel is crazy with air. Yeah, travels yeah. travels just you know it's been a bitch for two years. That's yeah. So that we had uh, actually we actually had a drive to Toronto because our flight from Cleveland to Toronto was canceled. So to make our flight in Toronto, we had to drive to Toronto, which wasn't bad. I mean, Toronto's only a five and a half hour drive for us, but uh, you know, so that that I mean, it it sucked. And then you flew to Saskatchewan, but we were ended up being lucky that we ended up driving because on the, the fly on the fly on the trip back home, you know, once we got to Toronto, we found out that our flight from Toronto to Cleveland would also have been canceled. So that was like, thank God we ended up flying or just going to Toronto and changing out all the airline information there to, you know, just begin the trip in Toronto and then end the trip in Toronto and coming back. But uh so that was the only lousy part. And I know Several of the people that were, you know, up at the lodge too had similar issues. You know, one had their luggage lost and they didn't get it till like 10 o'clock the night before they actually ended up to the lake. So, I mean, just a lot of headaches right now with travel. But outside of that, I mean, it was just absolutely just a wonderful trip. So any uh, fishermen in the audience that uh, really love to go on big trips and stuff, I highly recommend it. Uh, again, we'll put it up on the um, website on the uh um, on the, the notes, uh, again, six lodges on the lake, but I mean, our lodge was perfect and, mm -hmm. uh, great people. And if anybody would love to, to book a trip up there, we highly recommend it and, uh, go give them a chance because, uh, it was just a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. So, yep. uh, reach out to us if you need any information more than what we've talked about. Yeah, exactly. All righty. So let's get into, uh, the craziness of expansion <laughs> so i believe uh, we've talked about in the past and other people have talked about in the past in some places you know national local all this stuff they've always they've poo-pooed the idea of you know the super leagues and stuff and not not that they necessarily disagree but the, they thought that it's you know this is something that's still 10 15 years down the thing where we've always kind of felt it's closer it's just everything with the money that's in the sport and now NIL, it just seems like everything is just like, there's just so much boatloads of cash in there <clears throat> and that this was eventually coming that, mm -hmm. you know, Texas and Oklahoma was the first really, I mean, even more than the guys that came prior, you know, the Nebraska's and, you know, when the sec did their expansion a few years back with A&M and stuff like that. But uh, it just seems like Oklahoma, Texas was that first, shoe to drop and i'm just like it, i mean it's coming it's coming a lot quicker than people think and usc and ucla i was not expecting that we're up there first full day up in saskatchewan we're getting ready to fly out to the lake the next morning uh and uh <laughs> it's like what am I and like uh, a blue check mark comes on twitter it says this uh this uh wilner guy i can't remember his first day of that it sources are saying that uh usc and ucla are going to the big uh, and i'm just like that's crazy. And I mean, he's got to be wrong somewhere. This is like two years. Okay. Maybe this is coming. And then it's like Pete Thamel's on sports illustrated. Can I, you know, this is agreeing and yeah. Ross Dellinger, you know, that we have got sources now that are saying that this is information is correct. Information could be the, it could be done by the end of the night. <laughs> and it was, and it literally felt like Texas, Oklahoma and all again, because that one came out of nowhere. And, uh, <laughs> by the end of that night, they were, you know, fully uh, into the league and stuff like that. So a lot of stuff around the world, including college sports can't keep quiet, but somehow these college, these expansions that are, you know, basically decimating other conferences, they can keep this under grabs because <laughs> there's no way it just started that morning. <laughs> right. Like, so your thoughts on that. <sighs> Definitely did not think in the year 2022, I would be hearing that UCLA and USC would be joining the big 10. So that, that came as a shock. I mean, at a real solid program with real great history. I mean, UCLA is whatever, you know, that that's fine. You get that rivalry for USC. You have a second LA school out there. So that way you, you know, you're, you're traveling to just good, for more than one school to play. Right. Right. Good basketball school at the end of the day. And I mean, 
in the history of the two schools, I mean, they probably are more prestigious when it comes to all the Olympic sports and stuff like that, even though USC has got some good history too. I mean, UCLA has got a lot of national championships and a lot of things. I mean, USC is the big win for football. And like, it seems like kind of UCLA is probably like the big win for everything else. And, uh, you know, so. Yeah. So, but yeah, USC, you know, they're recruiting good. Um, Lincoln Riley's got them going on the right way. So definitely, I mean, it's, it's big news for the big 10. They're going to be a good team. They're going to be a real threat, you know, to win big 10 titles here in a couple of years. So I'm excited for that. I think it's going to be good competition for Ohio state. You and I talked, you know, if they do keep, you know, three teams, if they go do away with uh, divisions and you keep three teams on your schedule each year, we were hoping USC would be one of them that, you know, Ohio state would keep year in year out. That would be really fun for Ohio state. Um, you know, every other year going out to Los Angeles, they have to come in here every other year. So that would be a cool thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's wasn't necessarily expected. Uh, like you said, felt like Texas, Oklahoma didn't think you'd see those teams in the big 10 like that, but there was, there's been rumblings for a while and it happened. So, you know, it's, I think, yeah. I think it's, it's only good for the big 10. Definitely, you know, it, it puts a new market in there, new time slot for Big Ten teams to be playing in that, you know, keep fans engaged. Um, people in Los Angeles now have to worry about what people, you know, what's going on in Columbus, Ohio. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. And I can't I can't wait for them to join the league. I think and it's also I mean, those are the two big, obviously, the two big schools to hit. I, I mean, I definitely don't think that they're, they're going to be the last of the Pac-12 schools to come over. Um, I will get into that in a second. Obviously, Notre Dame is right now the big horse that everybody is after. Um, so I think that's probably the Big Ten. That's probably the next shoe to drop, and I think that that's probably happening, you know, sooner than people think. Um, but you know. USC has a lot of history and stuff like that, but this will be good for, you know, you, if Oregon and Washington end up, you know, Pac-12 football is just kind of forgotten. You don't, they got some good teams out there. You just don't remember them that they're out there. It's because, you know, they're on later in the day. They're, you know, no, I mean, I love as much as anybody, I'll, if I can stay up and I used to, as I was younger, you know, Pac-12 after dark, that was fun. I love the 1030 at night ESPN game because it's like, you know, you've had all the games throughout the day and this, now that's just the game. You get to go relax on the couch and, you know, fall asleep till and you know, that was, that was kind of fun. Um, but now there's going to be, you know, people on the East coast are actually going to be all the lot. They're going to see more PAC 12 teams in this. And, you know, so that's good for them. It's good for their recruiting. It's good for, you know, good for money. It's good for business. Uh, I mean, I, I can only imagine what this next big 10 deal to now will be. I mean, they were talking about there was rumors that, you know, each school was going to get $80 million a year. And it sounds like this deal could already have pushed that to 110 million a year. For, yeah. uh, so it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a much different look for schools like Indiana and Purdue uh, that are just like, how the, how the heck are we in this group right now that we're making all this money? You know, I don't, I don't give a crap that they beat us in football. <laughs> like, you know, we're getting boatloads of cash, a ton of boatloads of cash. And then you got like schools of comparable, like, you know, strength out there in the West, like the Washington States and the Oregon States and, you know, the cows that are like, my God, are we going to be able to field, you know, all the sports teams that we're fielding because like, I mean, they're going to lose big time on this deal. The Bloomington, Indiana, Mike, they are the elite of the elite. I don't know what you're saying. Yeah. Elite of we saw how elite they were this year. Uh, yeah. Came back down to reality a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Hopefully they stay down there. Yeah. But um, no, yeah. I mean, this is just big news and it just now, see, now both the sec and the big 10 are, they're at 16 apiece. And I know there's a lot of people that are now trying to put the brakes a little bit. Well, you know, we're not heading, <clears throat> we're not at the super conferences yet. You know, it seems like they're the two that are in the driver's seat, you know, into the mega conferences. We're going to wait, you know, Notre Dame's the big next big one to drop. Well, Notre Dame's TV deal is up in two years. So yep. like that's, then they're going to be start talking prior to that. And you know, the big 10 wants them to join. No, <clears throat> I think Notre Dame is, uh, 
they're now in a spot where they're kind of they're kind of uh, between a rock and a hard place on this. If uh, you know, I know sometimes they talk the big talk that you know, you know, we're okay without competing for championships, and we don't need to be part of that you know, upper echelon, blah, blah, this and blah, 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 that. But at the end of the day, they want to be there. And, you know, that's prestigious football. <clears throat> and if that's how this is heading, then we're only going to have two that the division one is going to end up splitting up kind of, because you're going to have two major conferences that are going to be doing a, well, where's Notre Dame want to win their national titles? So they want to, comp- I, th- they are much more likely going to want to be in with the big boys and, you know, have a much harder time getting there than you know they would run the they would run the roost if they stayed if 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 these end up breaking apart and kind of like the whoever doesn't get to join those two conferences or kind of playing in another division one Notre Dame might win a few national titles in that uh you know I mean they would be very very good um I don't think they want to be in there <laughs> that they're they're going to want to play where the big money's at yeah and, you know and it seems like a lot of their alumni are starting to push that way. I mean, I saw stuff from Golick, saw stuff from Brady Quinn that it's kind of like the time is now to do it. And so it just seems like all the headwinds are falling that way. I know a lot of stuff can happen. There's sometimes some bad uh, blood between Notre Dame and the big 10. So, you know, I'm sure there's some stuff they're going to get over, but at the end of the day, money is what talks and uh, you know, the big 10 deal is a lot bigger than what NBC is giving Notre Dame. And <clears throat> Who knows? Maybe NBC will still stay along as a TV partner and, you know, Notre Dame will be able to put that in there. So, uh, but I think that's probably the next one to fall. And I don't think it's going to be as long. It's not going to go until 2025 when their contract's up because they're going to have to start talking about it prior to that. And, you know, it might be another year. Yeah. Like, you know, last year was Texas and Oklahoma. And this year was USC, UCLA. You know, it might be next summer and that might be Notre Dame. But I think that's probably the next big one to fall. Yeah, pull someone in with them. So, I mean, I don't, who would you think? Notre Dame, Stanford, Notre Dame, they can't do North Carolina. Are they still out there? Have they joined the SEC yet? No. Um, some of those grant of rights deals for the ACC. I mean, talk about some of the stupid mm. stuff they ended up signing. I mean, just dumb. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure Clemson and Florida State and Miami. Like the universities, I'm sure they are talking to lawyers because they're trying to figure out how to, you know, get out of that. Because, like, I don't know, like, you can't can't be sitting around till 2035. Like, right now, you'll be you'll be irrelevant before that. Yeah, right. <laughs> if uh, if you're not, uh, like, if these are the only two conferences that, like, this is going to really put Ohio, the Big Ten in a spot now that you're still going to be four teams for a few more years. And like, there could be a year. I think there's a year or two of the playoffs where USC and UCLA and Texas and Oklahoma are now in the two conferences. And like, once those years hit, you're going to be in a real spot where uh, if they haven't expanded the playoffs by then, that the big Ten's getting two and the SEC is getting two. And because like, that's where all the big time teams for the most part are. And I, I know, you know, you still got Clemson out there, Notre Dame's out there and stuff like that. It's just, it's going to be hard to beat those conferences when you think about, I mean, you think about, you get into an SEC championship game and Georgia and Alabama are both undefeated or one has one loss and one's undefeated. And on the other side, you got Ohio State, USC and like the same type of predicament. That's going to be very hard is not only you're playing those two games as your, you know, conference championships, but if they all end up as one loss at the end of it, that's like you're guaranteed four playoff teams too. And like, now how much would that suck? I, I if they just went into the next round like that. I mean, but you know, that's like, it's, it's a possibility like, for sure. Yeah. I mean, if the, if the one loss teams win the conference championship, beating the undefeated teams in those scenarios. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Yeah. And Maybe, you know, US, maybe they don't play each other that year. So there's, they could be chances that they're undefeated right. before of them. And yeah, so you're, you're definitely not leaving out the two losers at that spot. And uh, I mean, it's just, it's a lot of possibilities and craziness. So when you're talking about who's the next to go after Notre Dame, I think they got to kind of go West. They can't do to USC and use, even though USC is different than Nebraska, you know, they have a 
they have abilities to get back up into the upper echelons a lot easier than Nebraska does. Mm. They did Nebraska no favors by not trying to get them some ball, get them some playmates out there. Like, like when you, it was just stupid of them to turn down Texas and Oklahoma. I don't care if Oklahoma's not a, you know, you figure that out. You like, you maybe you put Oklahoma on a ten year path that you know we need you guys to eventually be one of these universities, but you know yeah. doesn't mean for football you can't be in right now. Like you know, but it was stupid not to get those guys to Nebraska. Nebraska's been out on an island for you know so long out there, and it killed them in recruiting over the last several years and. You know, Nebraska needs schools like they needed Texas and they needed California, which were in the heyday outside of, you know, you get your big lineman out of, you know, the mid out of the the farm states, you know, Nebraska, the fed on that stuff, those, uh, those states out there. So it was stupid on the big tens part for not giving Nebraska some playmates out there. And, you know, California now helps them there. Nebraska's going to be able to go into California and recruit. And, you know, that's good for them. Right. And I think you don't want to keep USC, UCLA, though, on a island out there and, you know, get them some West Coast teams because I still don't know the understand how the logistics of the, the other stuff is going to work outside of football. Um, I mean, I know Gene and I get it, a lot of those non like the Olympic sports. They do play a lot more on the weekends than uh, than we think and stuff like that. And I get it with COVID and stuff with the pandemic that there's a lot more online classes now than there used to be. So it's much more of a workable thing than uh, it used to be. But I mean, that's still a lot, especially for those two schools. If you think about it, I mean, they're going to be traveling to the Midwest a lot, right? You know, you can kind of, uh, you can send Ohio state out there and be like, you know, for the, basketball team and be like, well, you're going out there and you're playing both of them while you're out there. And, you know, and you can get a kind of a twofer for, you know, one trip and, you know, so it's a lot easier traveling from the Midwest to the West coast because they can do a lot of stuff like that. Uh, it's going to, it's going to be nightmares for the, for those two coming East. Yeah. And so you got to give them some ball players out there. So I think, I mean, I think Stanford probably makes the most logical step with Notre Dame because it fits the big 10 academic standards. And it's like, kind of like a, it's kind of like a, it's a nice thing to throw to Notre Dame also. And then I would get Oregon and Washington. I mean, I think those are Oregon's the arguably in the last two decades. I mean, during PD's reign, they were number two behind PD. You know, they've been the top since now, since PD left USC. So, I mean, that's big money out there when you think about Phil Knight and Nike. So, I mean, I would definitely get Oregon and, you know, Washington in my lifetime, Washington's won a national title and they've been good. And so I think Washington, that's the Seattle market. So I would, I would go for them. And that would be the three I would try to get in with Notre Dame and get to 20. My only concern (laughs) with, if you're bringing in too many West coast teams is we just talked about, you know, there is this idea that has floated around college football that you would keep three people on your schedule year in, year out. Right. So we're talking about, you know, we want to make it so they don't have to, you know, so they have people out there, they don't have to travel. So, I mean, when we're talking like that, I would say presumably that means that they would have them another one of those pairings on their schedule. You know, USC definitely would keep UCLA yearly. So if they kept, let's say, Oregon yearly, so they didn't have to, you know, they had another game. Well, that doesn't leave, that doesn't leave anything else. You know, it's Notre Dame or Notre Dame, someone they play every year already. So yeah, it would be Notre Dame, and you know, and, and if that's, that's how the, if that's how it goes, that's how it goes. But that would be my Ohio State, that's my issue. Ohio State's got some big schedules coming up. Out of you know, they got a Texas, they got Alabama, they got Georgia, all coming up. You know, Gene kind of talked about it the other years. He doesn't want to play USC the years he's playing those schools. And yeah. So like, you know, so that's a thing too. Um, I think the, you know, yeah, right now we're talking about going away from divisions. I think if these two conferences both get up to 20 and I think 24 is the max. So 48 teams between the two would be the max. I think that they both would like to keep it closer to 20 a piece and that's 40 teams. Um, but it, it, they could go each up to 24. Um, and that's going to be it. There's, so that's why a lot of these schools that are still out there are putting resumes together, trying to figure out how they can break the ACC grants of rights because, uh, you know, 
you, the U, SEC and the Big Ten aren't going past twenty four apiece. So, right. like, and then it might and it might be closer to twenty. Um, but mm-hmm. I think I could see us going each kind of honestly where I think it's ultimately going. I could see there being four divisions, or I don't think we're gonna have these big divisions anymore. I think it could be like four smaller pods, consider kind of like what the NFL does and. I think your playoffs are going to end up being like the top four, top six, maybe top eight from each the big 10, the SEC. I mean, this is probably five, maybe 10 years down the road, but that's going to be the upper echelon of college football. Yes. And you know, the big 10 plays against each other. The SEC plays against each other. They have their playoffs and the two winners play for the national championship. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's going to be kind of it, you know, so you'd play the other teams in your pod. You'd, play then a couple other conference games to get up to like eight, nine conference games. And then I would see you're probably going to play two crossover games against the sec. And then you might play a nobody, you know, the big 10 all might have, you know, whoever that chicken craft, whatever is for the big 10, same thing with the sec, whether it's division two teams, whether it's another division one team from, you know, the leftovers of the ACC or big 12, maybe you play the Mac, whatever that gives them an extra home game, which is extra revenue. You know, I, I see that and that's yeah. probably, that will be your 12 games. And then you play the best, the best four to eight, whatever it is for each of the two uh, the conferences, whether that's four, six or eight, they'll figure that out. Um, you know, and they have like, you know, whether it's buys or no buys and you have a, you have a playoff, the big 10 schools, the top four, top six, top eight, whatever, you know, they play against each other their champion comes out same thing with the sec. It will be exactly equal. If, if the big tens have eight teams in their playoffs, the sec is going to have eight team in their playoffs too. And then there's your national championship game. Right. Uh, and then, you know, that's, and that's because college football is going to end up looking a lot more like the NFL football in the future. And I know that's hard for a lot of people, but that's the way it's going. That's why getting these blue bloods is important. That's why getting Notre Dame is important because it doesn't matter what these college fans say. Oh, I don't like what they're doing to this. Ohio state fans are still going to watch Ohio state. Right. USC yeah. fans are still going to watch USC football, Alabama fans, Notre Dame fans. That's why the blue buds are important. Even if the, some of them are not at the same, that's why having a school like Nebraska is important because, you know, and I hope maybe Nebraska does get up to that point again in their history. They might not, but you know, you know, you have a fan base that is still going to watch Nebraska football, regardless of who they're playing every single week. And, you know, and that's how NFL style college football works is that you have major fan bases still will still root on for their teams as like they do now. Very good point. Yeah. All right. Anything else you want to hit on this before we hit on some of this recruiting before we get on out here? No, no, I'm good. All right. So, man, and it's hard to keep this straight because, you know, it was like a lot of guys at once we're getting ready to go on vacation. Then we are on vacation in the USC. <laughs> I mean, they got six recruits and we've been, we've both been extremely busy with work after being back. I mean, being gone for the, the days, uh, you know, that stuff. Yeah. I mean, work is work and you get stuff piled up on you, but uh, so it was hard to keep track. Cause like when we were going through this list, a little bit ago, it was like, there's six guys. And yeah. I think there was like two of them. I didn't even like put up anything on them. Like, man, that's, or those were like we were actually out at the lake and we didn't have as good soak It's like right. <clears throat> yeah, so uh let's roll through these. Uh so I think the first person that dropped was that Kalen Lee, right? Just yeah. before we left. Yeah. So cornerback out of Georgia and top one fifty player, four star, um, ranked thirteenth best player in the state of Georgia. So that's always a big pick up, you know, when you can get a good player out of sec country, uh, you definitely need the cornerback depth. And I know you guys, you know, people can talk about missing out on the top five-star cornerbacks all they want since Kerry Combs has been gone, but that's, I mean, that that's a good pickup for Tim Walton. So I'm, you know, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I'm definitely excited. You mean, Ohio state's always gotten some really good, uh, you know, um, secondary players over the last several years. So, you know, that's a, it's a big one for us that, you know, it definitely, I've always said that, uh, you know, if these guys are good enough to be, uh, you know, that the coaches want them. So I have all the faith in the world of the coaches. Yeah. It seems like, uh, from what I've seen that he's a big time player to begin with. Um, 
seems like everybody was pretty stoked about him coming aboard. So um, definitely uh, happy about that. Uh, Jermaine Matthews, uh, he's committed. Um, he's the one that's out of the Cincinnati area, right? Yeah, he's out of Wenton Woods. So he was the one that when he got the offer like a week or two ago, and it seemed like it was pretty much definite at that point. And so uh, that he was going to commit. Uh, so, well, I mean, he also got an offer from LSU and Alabama after that. That so. was, uh, that's right. That I knew he had some big offers in there. And again, that's all I like, hit at the same time. So I, yeah, that was right. So he gets the offer from Ohio state. It's like, well, he's definitely going to Ohio state. And then like the next day it's like Alabama and LSU, like then offer to him. And like, well, maybe, maybe he'll take a couple of days to think about it. I don't know. I mean, that's a, that's a nice uh, three offers right in a row. Yes. He's listed as an athlete, but I think he projects as a cornerback. I mean, I think that's what he was working out at, at all the camps. That's what I heard. I think he just plays both ways in high school, but I I think he projects at the next level as a cornerback. I'm assuming that's what they're going with him because that's everything I've heard is that he's going to be in the secondary. Uh, But, you know, I mean, you've seen this time and time again with Ohio State. I mean, how many guys have they moved over the the last several years to the other side of the ball when they need a spot filled and stuff like that? So it's good to have it's good to have guys that know how to play both ways because you never know when you're going to need them to fill in. And, you know, He might end up being better on offense. Who knows? So, I mean, definitely a, a big get for them. You know, I love the one keeping, uh, you know, in-state kids. And when, uh, you know, they're good enough to be given offers and stuff that you end up keeping them. But yeah, yeah freaking uh, um, Alabama and LSU coming in there trying to take that away. That's uh, just crazy. Big list. Uh, talk about three, getting three offers in the, the two or three days like that. I mean, that <laughs> that's... Uh, that's nuts. That's something that, you know, tell people about that. Right. You, know, you get to brag about that. And like, yeah, I got, I'm framing those letters because I got them all at once. So all he had to do was pretty- work out. Once he finally got to show these guys what he was about at camp, he got the offers. Yeah. Um, Calvin Sampson hunt. That was, the, he's the one that was at tech committed to tech, right? Texas tech. And then, uh, yes. When he got the Ohio state offer and like all the crystal balls started rolling in that he was going to, you know, go to Ohio state. Um, decommits and then it's pretty much is a couple hours later or is it the next day i can't remember it's, I, think it's it's like, fast. I thought it was pretty much almost immediately it, it like, like yeah, yeah i think he decommitted like, and then committed to ohio state like the next set i mean probably probably a couple hours I but a, i think it was a couple hours but it was pretty fast it was all in the same day um so he uh another big one you know flipping uh, a kid from uh texas tech uh um so seems like the staff uh really likes him uh you got more information on him uh, what position is he again he's a cornerback was... too so i mean they're really solidifying the depth in the cornerback class right now which is important because that's like one of the i mean it's definitely right now in the secondary is a little nerve-wracking with the depth uh, i would say the the secondary corners first and then the safeties but kind of both um and then the offensive lineman that's like kind of where the really nerve especially on the tackles that that's really nerve-wracking where yeah their depth starting next year starting the lineup so you know that's definitely important that uh some of those needs get addressed and they end up doing because we'll be talking about uh, alignment here in a second so they were able to at least address you know part of those needs too mm-hmm. um so yeah so they definitely got to the corners um so we'll talk about then Miles Walker. We'll do him next. He's the the offensive lineman. Um, definitely, uh, and that's kind of been my concerns over the last few weeks. Has been the off, especially offensive tackle and corner, and then next is safety. Is that I just you know some of the depth? That's where it seems like they lost a few guys in the off season, and um, that uh, you know that they just have not been able to fill those spots back up and uh, glad what they're doing with the secondary. I definitely want to see them pulling at least one more tackle in this class that uh, after yeah. Walker, that would be, I think very important. Um, you know, Fry coming in as late as he did, you know, we lost out on a lot of the bigger guys, you know, we ended up getting Montgomery, which was seemingly was trending away from us, but it seems like all the other ones that were possibly trending towards us, uh, you know, have now, you know, we ended up losing or have trended away from us. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, and I think that I, I'm the, nothing to be worried about. I saw some people on Twitter starting to get a little freaked out about that. I'm just like, I think Friday, they need to have a good season. And 
you know, Fry needs to show that he's competent as a coach. And I think that corrects itself after a year. It was kind of the same stuff we saw kind of with Alford. It took, took Alford a minute to really get his feet going in there. And then, uh, you know, or maybe not. I don't remember. Yeah, J.K. But Dobbins, I, his first year. <laughs> I think Dobbins was, was kind of, I think Dobbins was definitely a pro Ohio. I mean, it would have been hard to really pull him away from. Ohio I mean, he State. didn't even visit a lot campus of work, before a lot, recruiting. So a lot of the work before was committing. prior to that. Yeah. Um, but it, after that, it seemed like it took off for a minute to really kind of <clears throat> get his foot in the, you know, yeah. some of these recruits I mean, and, he's, and he's doing fine. I think, yeah, he had a, he had the one unlucky class where it's like, you know, he was B. John Robinson's number one and Ohio State, you know, they're way up there for and I'm not, you know, a kid from California that ended up going over to I think it was Georgia. I don't know. I can't think of his name right now, but we were way up with a ton of guys. It was just like at the, you know, the 11th hour, everyone decided to go somewhere else. So I didn't think yeah. that was, you know, Alford's inability to close. I just stuff happens. Yeah, exactly. All right, next one is uh, defensive lineman Jason Moore. He committed uh, um, to the Buckeyes, it looks like, on July 10th. <clears throat> so uh, another big uh, defensive line get there. You know, I mean, that's kind of like you're just so used to that now after <laughs> the Larry Johnson years. Yeah. Uh, you always know you're you're pulling good defensive lineman. Um, definitely looks like uh, he's uh, going to be a nice addition to Ohio State. You know, we were back by then, so I – I got to at least see a little bit of his, uh, just some of his high school, just stuff that people were posting and stuff like that. So he, that looks like it's going to be a, that's a, a nice gift for Ohio state. Uh, I'm excited for it. And then the, the last one came today and that's, uh, um, was a Jelani Thurman. Yeah. Jelani Thurman, big time tight end, um, that really started kind of breaking for us over the last few days mm-hmm. that it seemed like that, uh, mm-hmm. he was, uh, that, Everything was trending really, really nice, and uh, two big tight ends in this class. Yeah. So they still amaze me how they're able to pull in the tight ends that they pull in. I mean, I won't lie. I mean, one of these years they're actually gonna be. Able, I know you can't highlight the tight ends as much as you want. They get the, the, the receivers and running backs. They get it's kind of hard, you know, to be getting the tight ends. I'm just like, man, these tight ends still come here. <laughs> no, <laughs> they, they still have no problem recruiting tight ends. But I mean which is great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, so, you know, maybe one of these years they'll, they'll throw a few more balls towards the tight ends and, uh, you know, that will solidify why they're able to recruit them so well, but you know, I mean, it sounds like them. he's a bigger, you know, freak athlete than what Rucker was coming in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's some of the stuff. Yeah. I have not watched any of his video yet. I haven't gotten an opportunity, but listen to some of the guys that talk about him. Some of the recruiting specialists, like, yeah, yeah, he sounds like a it's just a true freak, and uh, so I, I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, um, play once he gets here. So <clears throat> I'm pretty sure he won MVP for tight ends at uh, some Under Armour camp that they just had. I can't remember which one it is, but yeah, no. he, yeah, but yeah, I mean the kid definitely. I mean, no, nothing bad that I've heard about him, and that's just huge get that you don't think you would get from, you know, sec country tight end. Yeah, exactly. So definitely like where they went this year with tight ends again. And sometimes I don't know how they do it, uh, but uh, I mean, whatever they do it. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so, I mean, yeah. So a busy, busy two weeks in recruiting. And then right prior to that, you have the, uh, you know, all the receivers falling. So I mean, I mean, talk about just a crazy June and, you know, July, uh, you know, so the next one, I think it seems like uh, Caleb Downs will be in the next week, maybe or two. It seems like everything's trending Alabama right now with that, but who knows? I mean, it seems like, I mean, even, you know, a couple of the guys that have picked, you know, Alabama to win them out, they've all said that Ohio state is still the strictest. That is pretty much the chief competition right now. And so in years in the, mm-hmm. in the era of NIL, I'm not going to say that we're out of it yet. So uh, I, I, some, uh, some guys that some of the r- recruiting guys, you know, uh, Whitfong over at 247. you know, he, usually he has a pretty good track record. Once he puts in a crystal ball that, you know, that's usually where it goes. So but right now I'm, I'm going to just go with that. I'm assuming Caleb Downs is going to Alabama and I will be pleasantly surprised if he ends up choosing Ohio state yeah. at the end of the day. That, right. So. That, that's where we're at right now with that. And 
who else? I know there's another one. Oh, Tackett Curtis, uh, linebacker from Louisiana. Um, he's still in the mix for, I think, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and USC. I think most people project he's going to go with the Buckeyes. However, on three, he said USC recently, and I know some people got all worked up because of that. I just tell people, calm down. There's not. Let's let's not get worked up over anything. You got a great recruiting class, and right now, I mean, you lose kids to USC. I mean, I mean, what do you want? I mean, we've been we we've been Alabama out for kids. I right. mean, this stuff. I mean, this is you were literally in the mix for these big time kids, and so unfortunately, I mean, unfortunately, yeah, you're the spot that has the worst weather <laughs> that's yeah. in the mix all the time. I mean, I would love, I would love that you know i think you know th- there's a big opportunity there with that kid with curtis because he's not got any sec schools high it's you know it's between us wisconsin and uh usc so i i, w- I have a lot of confidence that we could pull him in it's you know usc is a big fight but i i think we could do it you know a lot of these like you know bowls he went to georgia you know today or yesterday i think it was yesterday um and i saw some buckeye fans get upset about that but like Man, when you got those kids at that level, you know, and you're surrounded by these SEC schools that have won national titles, it's not easy to get them out of. I mean, if you think the roles were reversed, I mean, if the if the talent level in the country was still in the north, I mean, so much of our country demographics has moved towards the south. <clears throat> if Michigan, Pennsylvania, I mean, Ohio is still there, you know, even though it's losing population, but it's yeah. still there. You know, Columbus is gain population though so i mean we're lucky about that you know if you think about if michigan and pennsylvania was still at where they were at you know many many moons ago you know and that's where all the best players were at you know ohio state would be looking really good and penn state and michigan were be up and you know they would be kind of back in you know i know michigan's coming off a good season horrible recruiting this year but that's a different story um that uh I think Ohio I State think they've had a decent couple of weeks. I think they've picked up a couple of kids. I I think they have to. We were away, but still, I mean, it's getting a little late now. But um, but you know, but you know what I'm saying. If if it was if if the talent shift was to the north, <clears throat> this would be Ohio State and Notre Dame that would be winning these kids, and then not necessarily uh, you know, Alabama. Uh, it would be hard for Alabama and uh. LSU and Georgia to come north and pull kids out of the north. Well, that's kind of where you're at right now. So, right. Like, you know, in Florida is a different state. I mean, I know we, everybody gets their fair share of luck at times in Florida, but you know, Florida is an, or especially once you get South or from, you know, Tampa, Orlando South, you know, a lot of those kids are transplants from other places in the country. And so, you know, and Florida kids never know what they want to do either. Yeah, I mean, you can pull kids out of Florida, but they literally might have lived most of their life in Ohio and their family decided before they went to high school that they're moving to Florida because it's just better weather. It happens. Right. Yeah, exactly. All right, anything else you want to hit on recruiting before we get on out of here? No, I'm good. I think we touched on everything. All right. Um, again, highly, highly recommend uh, you know listening to the beginning of the show. Uh, if you want big-time fishing trip, uh, Randier Lake Lodge. Um, get us on out of here, John. All right. Well, thank you everyone for stopping in tonight to the Buckeye Bar. I'm John. And I'm Mike. O-H. I-O. I-O.